Welcome everybody to Beyond the Shadows. Mothra and Ghost Story and Mike Ricksecker here with Quarantine Ghost down in the chat room. We just had the uh, special announcement on Edge of the Rabbit Hole a few minutes here ago that uh, Vanessa Hogel, my co-host, uh, will actually be departing Edge of the Rabbit Hole uh, this month. Next week will actually be her last show, and we wish her well in all of her future endeavors. She has a lot on her plate, and she's uh, taking time away from the show to uh, to go do those things. So we wish her well for that, uh, for those that missed that announcement on Edge of the Rabbit Hole this evening. So special Edge of the Rabbit Hole coming up next week. We'll, uh, we'll give Vanessa a good send-off. Uh, for that so be sure to tune in for that so tonight we're going to be talking about the connected universe and I've mentioned this term many many times on this show in fact we have done a connected universe show here um, on beyond the shadows but we're talking about some things uh, a little a little different here we'll get into some other topics those that listen to uh, the podcast that I put out yesterday uh, we'll be talking about some of those things I know not everybody listens to the uh, the audio podcast they are on Spotify Um, so we're going to expand upon those things because that was only like 15 or 20 minutes or whatever we got an hour-long show tonight so we have a lot of material to cover and then on uh, hunter road media we're going to do like a real compact um presentation for that on friday but uh tonight of course i'm always willing to take your questions as we dive into this topic uh it's something that we've been you know between like the uh the time traveler uh uh hunter road media video that came out here a couple weeks ago we just did paradoxes you know and really anything that has to do with um you know ghosts and hauntings with heck if if you believe in such a thing as a parallel universe you know that i have my reservations when it comes to the multiverse parallel universe maybe um when it comes just to the ground under our feet or just the way time works these things are all interconnected together and uh, what's been really fascinating to me is this well many things honestly but this image here and i've shown this many times to you guys uh that are regulars here so but for those that are a little bit new here this is a uh, this is from the chandra x-ray telescope and essentially what it is, is uh, it's a X-ray image of warm, hot intergalactic matter. So what you're seeing here are strands of hot gas uh, expanding out from galaxies. And they're, they're reaching out into space like that. Um, and what happens is that X-rays from supermassive black holes are absorbed by those hot gases near quasars and Chandra picks up on this sort of activity. Since the universe is actually expanding, the x-rays are stretched as they travel and it comes off as this web-like uh, image with the with the x-ray through, through uh, the Chandra telescope. And so with this, you can see how the universe is interconnected with each other. Now, this is just on a, a physical level out there in the cosmos. Um, you know, we're not even talking yet as we get into like past lives and things like that, which which we will. Uh, this is this is just the universe itself. So this is showing the universe being uh, connected the way it is, which to me, of course, you know, loving this sort of thing is absolutely fascinating to me. Um, so that's the Chandra X-ray uh, part of it, which 
I won't say it set me down this path, but as as I keep diving into this material and into this research, it's one of those things that is it's really clicked with me like, ah, there's an image actually showing the different things that I've actually uh, been researching and discovering. And there are glimpses of it in the book back here, A Walk in the Shadows, my, my latest book. Um, I have an announcement coming out tomorrow uh, on something regarding that. But so be on, be on the lookout for that on social media tomorrow. But when I was doing the research for that book, um, I started noticing how so many of these uh, different phenomena are interconnected and related to each other and it just became a massive rabbit hole that I was tumbling down and kept digging and digging and digging Um, and one subject led to another led to another led to another and all of these things being absolutely related I'm talking about like the different interdimensional beings the way uh, time works the you know, simulated universe, all these different things being interconnected and meshed together. Um, Really, really fascinating. So I have to throw this out there. So the, uh, the show dark, (laughs) now this is, this is something that's also really kind of pushed me forward here lately. This, this particular show, um, it has really, and I know some people have, uh, you know, been watching season three here. I've, I've heard from many of you uh, that you've really enjoyed the show and a lot of the material that it covers. Um, it, it's really a uh, a groundbreaking show in the fact that it went really deep into a lot of these different types of topics. And it used, you can even see the tagline right there: "Everything is connected." Um, they repeated that I don't know how many times during the show. Um, and they took it from a viewpoint of, you know, past, present, future throughout time all connected. In fact, they had concepts in there of how the future was influencing the past and things like that. But everybody's lives are connected and how different actions from one person led to another. You could even get into like butterfly effect type stuff here. Um now, there have been other television shows and um, movies and whatnot that have touched on this. And when I uh, did the Paradox video uh, that I released on Sunday, I, I touched on a lot of pop culture because that's how I believe people can really relate to it. You see it in I like movies Back to the Future, um, you know, the show Lost, which I actually didn't cover in the Paradox video, but, Par- but, uh, but Lost covered a lot of that sort of stuff about... Um, people really being connected like that, and they they had especially with season one they they had the whole six degrees of separation thing going on. How all these different people uh, trapped on this island were actually connected in so many different ways uh, before they had actually gotten to the island, and so you see these connections play out, um, you know, throughout our lives. Mentioning the butterfly effect, you're talking. Of course, you know, butterfly flaps its wings over here and it affects so many other things, you know, throughout the world. And this is seriously how the whole world is connected on many, many different levels. And not just, again, that's a physical level, but you start to take into the spirituality, you talk the afterlife. Now think about this, you know, somebody in the afterlife that's in spirit form being able to affect the physical world now but also in the future and also in the past. 
There's a lot of different ways these things are connected and tied to each other. Um, and Debbie 08, I enjoyed so much uh, about that show. Thanks for telling us, Mike. She's talking about Dark. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a fascinating show, and I definitely recommend it for anybody that finds this sort of topic fascinating. Uh, when you start getting into uh, time travel paradoxes, um, you know Mandela effect plays into this as well. So I uh, I got a question on one of the videos. It was the paradox video um, on whether or not the Mandela effect played into any of this. And really, the Mandela effect may be a result of paradoxes that occur in real life. Now, when a paradox happens, um, the results of that... Okay, think about Back to the Future. If... He had gone back. I mean, well, he did go back. Uh, but if he had changed his parents' um, connecting back then, that was the whole big scare, right? That he had interfered with his parents' connecting and getting together, so therefore he was going to erase his own existence. And therefore he wouldn't have been. There was the photo of he and his siblings were disappearing. So that would have affected the future. However there still would have been his existence, at least on a temporary basis, to prevent his parents from ever meeting. So therefore, even though he never actually ended up existing, his existence actually changed the past. So, and, and prevented that meeting from occurring. So it's really kind of bizarre, but if somebody would have remembered him like if um uh, his mother or father would have actually remembered him if biff would have remembered him whatever but he didn't actually exist is that kind of like the mandela effect playing out right there you know is that it because they remember something occurring one way but it didn't actually happen that way it actually happened this way maybe that's that could be how this mandela effect uh ends up happening is paradoxes that we don't realize actually happened occur the universe corrects itself or it just becomes we don't notice it because time changed but yet there's still like that vague memory of something being different so it's um it's a lot to kind of try to get your head around but that could be how the mandela effect plays into all of this uh, as far as the uh the connected universe and paradoxes and and what have you so, um, yeah, Robert Hanna says, most definitely, if you're at all interested in time travel and paradoxes, check out Dark. Yeah, it's absolutely freaking loaded. Um, Eva Gellert reminds me of an old series called Touch, how we're all connected. I don't uh, recall that series, so I guess I'm going to have to check it out. All right, so... Um, so that was dark and all that. I actually have show notes for tonight. <laughs> um, okay, so past lives. So this, um, we, we talked a little bit about this on Edge of the Rabbit Hole tonight, past lives. Um, I did want to get into that a bit uh, in this show for this evening. So how, um, how past lives connect with us today with the uh, connected universe. Um, 
you know, one of the things that I mentioned in the the podcast was when we ha- when we have a deja vu, and I know a deja vu is supposed to be a glitch in the matrix, right? <laughs> but really, when we have a deja vu, we walk into a uh, building and it's like, I feel like I've been here before. You know, have we in a past life? And we connected to that location because um, that's where we had been previously in another body. Uh, Michelle called the body uh, a shell or what was the other term that she used for armor, right? Uh, Trying to give, you know, the soul is something that's in this thing right now. Um, Vanessa calls it a meat sack. So had we in another shell or what have you uh, visit this location before? And is is that why it's familiar to us? You know, is that why um, when we are drawn to another country. Like um, somebody's like, oh, I've always wanted to go to Italy and visit Rome and Venice, um, you know, or you know, I'm drawn to Egypt to go see the pyramids or in, uh, you know, for, for me, one of the, and I do want to go see those places, um, you know, Scotland, uh, you know, go see, well, for me there, I want to go see Castle Grant because that's in my family lineage. But I basically, I want to see the countryside and the castles and all that stuff. You know, is there a draw for me, not just because of the family lineage, which is a way that I'm connected to those locations, but also, you know, perhaps I had spent a past life at some of these different locations. And it also begs the question, are some of our past lives our ancestors' life? So, are we sometimes reincarnations of our ancestors? So do these some of these locations call out to me because I was previously there as my great-great-great-great-grandfather or my great-great-great-great-grandmother? Because um, I believe you can change genders, of course, uh, from one life to another. Um, so is that why we are drawn to some of these different locations? Um, when I was a kid, I'm going to get a little silly here. But when I was a kid, like in third grade, I used to joke around that I was from Pluto. Um, not necessarily meaning that my physical body life then was from Pluto, but just something about me from, you know, being from Pluto. Um, what was what was funny was it was sometime last year that... Um, friend of mine on Facebook and commenting on one of my posts had said something about how when she was a kid that she used to joke around about being from Pluto. So, you know, and I had to laugh. I was like, oh my God, I used to say that exact same thing, you know, when I was in third grade. Not saying that, you know, we are really from Pluto or anything like that, but is there something about the connection to the universe and perhaps you know maybe you know five million years ago there was something different about pluto maybe there was a colony or something on there who knows um and there had been a past uh life that had been on pluto before i don't know but apparently there is some connection there for some people to this planet for some reason or another um it could even be a remnant um you know, from another solar system. I've, I've mentioned before, I think it was last week, about um, how this solar system is n- 
not, it's probably not, probably not, because we don't know for certain, it's probably not an original formation, um, meaning that what we have here now with our sun and these planets was expelled from a previous solar system that had gone through the whole process of you know, star formation and it changing to the various stages, becoming a you know red giant and then exploding and all that stuff and then you know expelled out all the matter and it reformed up into another solar system because the universe itself is nearly 14 billion years old our solar system is or our, our planet in any case um the solar system is going to be a little bit older but our particular planet is four and a half billion years old so you have like eight and a half billion years there to play with so there are uh, some scientists that do believe that um, we've gone through all of this before, that this is not our first go around with this matter, that we had already previously been a sun and some planets and all that. Whether it sustained life, we don't know. But at some point, we were just, you know, dust and dirt out there that formed back up and became a planet. So with that, do we have then a connection to you know maybe pluto had been something maybe not in this solar system but in a previous solar system that we may have been a part of possibly um we talk about uh sometimes we, we've talked about this on some of our shows about uh extraterrestrials and life on other planets and what have you and also in reincarnation have we actually had alien lives before so um, I talked before about uh, the work from Dolores Cannon, who you know, passed away some years ago. Uh, if you've ever read any of her books, they're very fascinating. Um, I've read a couple of hers on her past life regressions, and some of those past life regressions talked about alien lives, that they were having a memory of when they were in uh, an extraterrestrial or an alien on another planet. Now, they wouldn't have been an alien or extraterrestrial to that planet. They're an extraterrestrial or alien to our planet. But basically, they had a life on another planet as a different physical being, and they were remembering that. So some people talk about having actual connections to different stars out in the galaxies. And maybe this is why we're drawn to the stars, why um, you know we keep wanting to, you know, strap a bomb to our asses and shoot ourselves off into space that we have a connection to the stars and we keep trying to go there to somewhere to some place that we have been before um there's a lot of speculation that um um perhaps uh beings have come down here from the star system uh the star system sirius that uh that we have this connection with with sirius there's no way to prove that at the moment, but is that why uh, the ancients were really drawn to Sirius? Is that why other people living today are, are drawn particularly to that star? Do we, do we really have another uh, connection to there because there has been um, some sort of past life there? Um, we're obviously, you know, from the, um, from the image I showed earlier, we are obviously connected to the rest of the universe, but is there something more on a metaphysical level uh, with the soul that is actually connected there as well. So, um, so Victoria Monday, if we can reincarnate as a different sex, can we reincarnate as a different species? Can we be an animal and the next time a human? Um, I don't know if necessarily like a, um, like reincarnating as a dog, um, or 
a cockroach or a bird or something like that. Um, you know, a lot of those past life regressions that I was reading weren't necessarily as animals like that, uh, but as another um, sentient being as like in another planet or something like that. I say that, but I also had, um, as a kid, a lot of dreams of being an alligator. It might sound silly, but I did question for a long time if I had been an alligator in a previous life. Um, I'm not sure. There are there are people who believe that, yes, uh, we can reincarnate as an animal. There are people who believe that we can reincarnate as a rock. Um, I have a hard time with the idea of reincarnating as a rock. I mean, a, a dog or a cat or something like that, you can at least get me far enough to consider, hmm, might be possible. Because um, they do have a conscious. Obviously, they do. Um, but something like a rock that's an inanimate object that's going to be sitting there in some form for millions and millions of years and, you know, eventually get ground down into like a pebble and a grain of sand. And I mean, it's going to exist on some level. Um, I, I can't buy that one, but um, in some other creature that has a conscience, maybe, maybe and another intelligent life form um, like an alien on another planet. Yeah. I, I, I buy that one. Um, that we can reincarnate there. You have to uh, keep in keep in mind. I, I mentioned this on um, oh, which show was? Everything's kind of blending together now. But oh, it was when I was talking about the Fermi paradox on the paradox video uh, that I released on the Hunter Road Media channel on Sunday. With the Fermi paradox, it was a question that was thrown out here on Beyond the Shadows last week that I actually did not answer, uh, but did a little research on it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about now. the The idea of um, you know, that we believe there's all this uh, extraterrestrial life out there without having uh, any evidence to back it up. Just this belief that it must be true because the universe is so big. Um, and the way I presented it was, well, you gotta you gotta keep a certain perspective about this. The fact that you know, to the rest of the universe. We are the extraterrestrials. We are the aliens to the whole rest of the universe. We seem to have like this self-centered attitude about our planet. Like we're Earth, so we are we are it, and everybody else are extraterrestrials. Well, to the extraterrestrials, to somebody from another planet, we are the extraterrestrials. So therefore, um, you can say there is at least one planet in the Milky Way galaxy that has extraterrestrial life. That's ours. So based on that, uh, one out of, we have, was it like 250 billion to 500 billion stars in just the Milky Way galaxy. We're, we're one that has life. There are billions and billions of stars in the galaxy. So if you just kind of do the math on one out of every 500 million stars has a planet with life, and you blow that up across the entire universe, well, there you go. Then you have billions of planets that would have life. Um, you have to keep in mind from the from the perspective of the rest of the universe, which is massive, we are the extraterrestrials. So, um, all right. So there's some other questions coming in here. 
Um, let's see. From Betty Lange. So, Mike, are we a prison planet dropped here from other planets? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think some people like to think that because a lot of times uh, we become our own hell on earth here, right? And there's also the idea of the uh, like the Anunnaki coming down here wanting gold and they made a slave species out of us to go ahead and mine their gold and then um, they left or went extinct or did whatever they do. There's so many different theories about how all that happened. But um, Prison Planet... Some people speculate that. There's no way to know. Um, if we are, they're doing a, a poor job of keeping us from getting off planet because we've been doing that routinely now for about 50 years. Um, yeah, and, and uh, Chris, so what about a tree or a plant? Kind of the same thing is with uh, with a rock. Um, you know, it's it's... I mean, it has life because it grows and it actually gives life as well. Um, but I don't necessarily believe that it has a consciousness. I know that um, people can make the argument that, well, plants react to music. Yes, it does. Um, I think that has more to do with the vibration of the music than it has to do with a plant rocking out, you know, I don't think it's like little shop of horrors, like, you know, feed me Seymour. <laughs> I don't think it's like that. Um, I think the, uh, the vibe, the vibrations of the music affect the plant to be able to do different things. Um, but I don't, I don't believe it actually has a consciousness in it. Like I don't believe a rock has a consciousness in it. Um, you can make a case again for a cat or a dog. Um, and I won't adamantly say no to that. Uh, but I think it has to be like a more uh, intelligent being. So, my take. Um, Tom McNicholas, couldn't bacteria be considered a life formation? Um, from a certain point of view, same thing with, uh, with a plant. But again, bacteria doesn't really have a consciousness. So, um, you know, it's a... It's a it is a living, growing thing, but um, consciousness is not one of the things it possesses. So, um, all right. So, that's the past life perspective. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'm not totally uh, finished with that, because there are still other things to explore here with, with past lives. Um so I mentioned, you know, being drawn to locations. This was one Mineral Springs. What's interesting about this, so, you know, Connected Universe, uh, it's a project that, you know, because this is Alton, Illinois, project that I was working on um, that I'll still complete, but I wasn't able to do uh, this year. I was going to complete it this year, but wasn't able to do because of COVID. Um kind of a shame last year it got hurt because of the floods going on there in uh illinois and then this year it was covid but throughout that town it, it really gave me a great perspective on how um locations people in a small locale over time are really connected to each other um behind and you can kind of barely see it off to the right there's the mississippi river straight behind there um there there was an island 
excuse me, there was an island out there, um, and it went it went through a number of different names, um, like Sunflower Island, Smallpox Island is uh, the most notorious name for it because of the fact that from the federal prison there in Alton, the um, the prisoners during the Civil War would be taken from there to the island if they came down with smallpox. Many of them died uh, and were buried there on the island. So many years later, the island was dug up uh, because they put in a dam right there. And many of these bodies ended up floating down river and it was just kind of crazy stuff. Um, I mentioned this because there's several connections to that island throughout the rest of the town. So McPike Mansion is, is big there. McPike ended up owning the island at one point in time, but it's also where um, Lincoln's uh, duel happened. Uh, it is also, there is a, a an amazing ghost story uh, that took place on that island. And so there's all these connections around the town to this island and then to each other uh, throughout the entire city spanning like almost a hundred years of time from the prison to the island to you know McPike to Mineral Springs to all of these different locations and people um, throughout the town's history some of them never even met each other Um, it's just really really fascinating so it was um, unfortunately a project that I've had to shell for the moment would love to get back to to complete because I just loved showing all these different connections so this is again the connected universe on a kind of smaller uh, microcosm of a scale in one particular town and showing all these different connections to each other. So um, very, very cool stuff. So uh, Betty Lange, is the pandemic connecting our planet together? Um, that's, a, that's a tough call on the pandemic is a connecting... Uh, it seems we're more div- uh, divisive now than than we ever have been in many ways. I mean, it might be connecting some people together in a way that our generation hasn't seen. And I will not use the term unprecedented. That drives me nuts. Um, you know, those, especially early on, we're, we're saying this, this, what's going on right now is unprecedented. It's like, oh, come on. You, it's just our generation hasn't seen it. You know, unprecedented, well, a hundred years ago, we had the uh, the Spanish flu, um, you know, and I had, uh, I guess, I, I thought it was only one great-grandmother, but it actually was two, two of my great-grandmothers actually uh, died from the Spanish flu. And, um, you know, of course, there was the Black Plague, you know, the, the stuff like this has happened over the centuries. This, this is not new. We just haven't seen it in our generation. Um, the way we're handling it has handling it has been um an absolute mess i just i see as more divisive than actually connecting all of us um i guess in a in a way you could say it's connecting some of us because we've had to you know you know many people have had to stay cooped up together for a while but um like just take i don't know the workplace i mean a lot of people are working from home um with with my employer you know, most everybody's working from home, so we're not coming together. We're apart. Uh, we get together in the morning for a, um, you know, for a video call. Um, but yeah, that's that's really been about it. So, yeah, I think it's been more divisive actually. 
Um, Tim Schoen, if we reincarnate as another human, do we retain any of our preferences and likes from the previous life? Um, yeah, great question. So it seems so in some cases that we do carry some of those different things over. Um, there's, you know, there are a lot of people who talk about, um, like in a, a past life, if you were shot in the shoulder, that you may uh, come into life with some issues in that shoulder or maybe even a birthmark where uh, you had been shot. So there's different things like that. Um, I, I do believe that we connect to our past selves in a number of ways that, yeah, some of our likes and dislikes and things like that do carry over. Um, you know, but we may acquire new ones in this life as well. So I don't think it's like a you know one for one match from one life to another. Um, you know, especially especially if we change genders, I think a lot of things would change in that regard. Um, so, but yeah, some of those things do come over for sure. Um, so, on that note. Um, yeah, there's, there's the stars. And I kind of already talked about this. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention from here uh, with the stars, because I, I went into the, the age of the universe, the, the solar system, the Pluto thing, all that. Um, panspermia. So this is the idea that um, matter from the solar system, the, the rest of the universe even coming down to our planet and you know feeding us whether it's another life form or just an element a mineral those sorts of things maybe we're getting viruses from outer space they have found plankton out there on the uh, the international space station so life can live to a certain degree out there in space it's it seems really odd and bizarre to us because space is a vacuum and there's no oxygen out there but on some level um some life can survive out there now it does have to survive the entry into uh into the atmosphere uh, but there there are scientists that have shown that things can survive on an entry into the uh, into the atmosphere and can survive coming down so like with the Spanish flu that I mentioned earlier, there there is some controversy over the fact that on the exact same day um, when the when the flu kicked off, that it was it was Boston and I think it was India um, where the Spanish flu like you know first kicked off and started um, you know spreading it was in two different cities completely separate from each other on the planet. And boom, yet there it is. So there is some speculation that, you know, it actually came, something that came down out of the, uh, out of space, really, <laughs> out, of the, out of the solar system onto the planet, landed in two different locations because you think of the way, I mean, it comes in basically on an angle and then, you know, wraps around the earth, kind of like, you know, what we do with, um, you know, when we land any of the, you know, capsules or when the space shuttle would come in or anything like that, um, it would have to come in on that trajectory through a window. And depending on which window it came in, you could land on a different place on the planet. And so if you had the same material, and it doesn't take much um, for something to come in on this part of the planet to over here, 
as far as like um, you know the angle uh, to to change great miles over the planet. So it's a theory, of course, but that idea that actual virus came in uh, from outside is uh, is pretty interesting. So I'm not, definitely not saying that that's what happened with uh, coronavirus, but it's an idea for um, for the Spanish flu that that's what happened. Um, so another example uh, is with with the octopus that it's so vastly different from any other animal that we have on the planet that there are several that actually believe that it is a creature that came in through the idea of panspermia from outside the planet and landed in our oceans and is the animal that we have today. So it's a very interesting idea um, that even now even today we could be affected through these things coming in through our atmosphere again connecting us in a very different way uh, with the rest of the universe right now so um, all right let's see what else you guys have down here for questions let's see um, you guys are talking about the virus down there. Yeah, uh, Lena, the fan, this virus is showing us we need more sustainability and need some more of the simple ways of life back. Uh, Mr. CO2, the alien greys have made their move since the quarantine pandemic. There's been some articles on it. Oh, there's a lot of different uh, theories about <laughs> what extraterrestrials may be uh, contemplating, you know, whether it's our demise or maybe this was in the plans all along or what have you. Um, so I'm going to leave it to your guys questions for now. I touched on a lot of the different things that I wanted to hit on. Um, yeah, so I guess a lot of you guys have heard about the, uh, the idea with the, with the octopus. It's, it's a very interesting idea, but, um, yeah, when it comes to, well, some of this stuff. Okay, so times, dimensions, interdimensional beings, ghosts and hauntings, extraterrestrials, simulated universe. So all these different uh, concepts and ideas. You know, when it comes to time, we, we uh, talk a lot on here about, well, I talk about my, um, my stack time theory and everything happening past, present, future, all at the same time. You know, if that is true, well, that really connects us you know absolutely so you know me sitting here in the studio right now um is the same as you know 10 years from now somebody maybe has their dining room table set up in here and so i'm actually broadcasting this right now it's the same the same time time kind of relatively speaking as somebody having their dinner in here well, i guess it might be a little late at night it's 11:35 in the east but, you know, that would actually connect me to somebody, um, you know, spending time in their, in their dining room if they were to so use this room for that. Um, you know, in any, any moment in time that we've had anywhere on the planet, we could be simultaneously sharing it with another person at another point in quote-unquote time if it's all existing at the same. So something I talk about routinely is that moment at Johnny V's where I saw the shadow dart across the room through that door but I didn't see the door move but heard the crash of it 
and whether or not it was just another, could be another point in time, could just be another, uh, you know, place in, uh, I guess, in space, whatever, maybe it was another dimension, and that sound was ever able to resonate because it's on a different wavelength, but, you know, where was that shadow person, you know, was it actually maybe the shadow or, you know, the image of a human, maybe it wasn't a, you know, interdimensional shadow person, I use the example for shadow people being interdimensional beings, you know, it could have been an interdimensional being, it could have been another point in time, and I'm seeing the image of that, but I'm connected with that entity in that moment, in that room, and if it was actually another point in time that I saw, then I am connecting to, you know, maybe it was five years further down the road, or maybe it was 20 years in the past, or maybe it was just that restaurant in another dimension, and it could have been, I don't know, in the, in the fifth dimension at that time, and it didn't know how to, it didn't know how to process what it saw with me, and it freaked out and took off. We don't know. I mean, it could have been some people would, um, you know, we'll talk about parallel universes, was, you know, were we crossing a parallel universe at that time, and, you know, in in the Johnny V's, in the parallel universe, it, you know, it saw me and flipped out. So kind of like we were talking about Dark earlier, that ended up going into parallel universes. They ended up doing their parallel universes kind of like a mirror image in a lot of ways. So was that a parallel universe of where I was at and, you know, it took off. So that's would be me connecting with another dimension. So, Judy Wilson, do you think that one day doors can be open and we'd be able to go to one pl- uh, from one plane into another? Yeah, I think that is something we are eventually going to be able to do. I mean, there's already the theories right now of, um, you know, like with wormholes. So, if you could bend space and time and, you know, punch a hole from one point to another then that's the wormhole. The, the issue is bending space and time to be able to do that. And there's also the issue of being able to punch that hole to be able to do it. So there are steps to be able to get there. But we understand the concepts of making that happen. Where we would go, that's a great question. So right now, the way we view it, you look at a movie like Interstellar, we end up going to another place in the universe. But what if it's not connecting to another place in the universe, but actually connecting to another, maybe it's another point in time on our current existing planet, or perhaps if there are parallel universes, perhaps um, we end up connecting to that parallel universe and seeing a different version of ourselves. Um, there was a, um, a recent study here by the Anita Project down in Antarctica where... Um, in this test that they were doing, uh, particles that were supposed to be running in uh, one direction were actually running in the opposite. And through this test, they they believe that they may have been able to show that there is actually a parallel, an existing parallel universe that is running in reverse time from ours. 
So if we were able to create, bend space and time, create that wormhole, and connect to that parallel universe, which would have to exist in another dimension, um, you know, separate from ours, but if we were able to connect to that, would we end up then in a world that is... I mean, you'd have to, it would It would be opposite. If it's running opposite of ours right now, so it would be like opposite world. And, um, you know, and being able to connect to that. It's, it's interesting to think about um, how that may actually function. So, um, so Sharon Lane, that makes me wonder what death really is. Is it, uh, is it stacked time? We just shifted to a different time, perhaps. Yeah, that's... Um, Sharon, that is a, uh, I, I get what you're trying to ask, and I understand that. And it's, it's one place where I'm trying to resolve it with a couple of things that I've thrown out there because, uh, yeah, I have my stack time theory, everything existing at, at you know, past, present, future. Um, it's essentially Einstein's space-time continuum. I didn't realize that when I was first coming up with the idea. But it's very, very close to what he was coming up uh, with the space-time continuum. If everything is existing all at the same time, past, present, future, what does that do for something like reincarnation? You know, it, when we when we die, if we, you know, are reincarnated, you know, some years down the road. Okay, it's kind of irrelevant if time is stacked. So does that mean then that we are coexisting with multiple versions of ourselves? So if time completely exists, you know, together, past, present, future, is there another version of me from another life running around, you know, 100 years from now or 100 years beforehand? And if I was to travel to those different times, would I be able to talk to and interact with my future self or past self as another person entirely? If you understand what I'm saying. So my soul would be in that person in the future or in the past, but yet they would have a different shell like we were talking about before. That's a lot to try to wrap your head around. Um, you know, so I, it's those two things, because I do believe in both. You know, how, do, how do I resolve those two different things? I'm not sure yet. I'm still working on that. So, um, and Judy Wilson, do you think that might be what we call ghosts? I mean, in, in a lot of cases, yeah. I, I think so. So, um talked about before about you know people sometimes seeing like a, a a woman in a victorian dress and that woman turns and looks at them as if they are the ghosts i've used the example of andrea perrin and her mother seeing uh the guy sitting down at the dining room table and they turn and look at andrea and her mother like would you look at that so they obviously saw them um you know as if they were the ghosts or what have you so so in those cases it's not really a ghost that they're seeing they're actually seeing another point in time um and they're seeing the past but you also have to think the perspective of the other person so the ghost the quote-unquote ghost 
if they're seeing like Andrea and her mother as a ghost, they're actually seeing a glimpse of the future. So that that's where you know two points in time are crossing each other, or if they're coexisting, and something is making them at that moment kind of resonate with each other and be able to see each other. Whether I've used the term echo before, it could be something like that. Resonance, maybe they're vibrating the same frequency at the point in time, and then they're able to see each other. Um, it's interesting to think about, and that could be, and that could be, you know, what it is. Maybe each, I don't know, year, moment in time, whatever, is vibrating at a specific frequency and the world doesn't always work properly sometimes there's like you know those glitches in the matrix and sometimes those moments will actually vibrate at the same frequency and they're able to see each other that might be what it is um betty lange mike how do you think that dna is connecting humans to past times ah great question so i actually have that as a note here and, and forgot to actually talk about genetic memory Genetic memory. Okay, so this is the idea that um, our DNA within us um, actually carries with itself memories from our ancestors' past. So um, I, I do I do believe that because sometimes there are are times that I make gestures that you know I guess my grandfather made or or what have you, um, you know, unbeknownst to me that he had previously made those gestures. Um, you know, you hear just kind of in everyday, you know, conversation with family, like, um, oh, you have your um, your aunt's disposition, or um, you have, you know, whatever trait from some ancestor or previous person from the family. So these things are kind of, you know, handed down. I'm not just talking about physical traits. I'm talking about the way the person actually acted and their mannerisms and things like that. So can some of these actually play out as as memories? Well, um, it's possible. So that trait or that memory or whatever gets coded, encoded into somebody's DNA. And then that DNA is passed down from generation to generation to generation. And it may not it may not be the next generation that comes out or the generation after that, but that that encoding is still within that DNA. So perhaps a couple of generations down the road, you know, great grandchild, suddenly it turns on for them and they pick up on it. And if memories are able to be encoded in DNA, it's possible that somebody down the road is able to pick up on it. So this is actually separate than, um, something like experiencing a past life. This is actually in the physical being. So this is actually something that's a part of the shell, for you know, lack of a better term, that we've been using, um, which makes, which kind of muddies the waters, really, um, because it, it makes a case for that a lot of these different um, things that, you know, may be a past life, maybe aren't necessarily a past life, but are uh, some sort of memory from the uh, genetic DNA being passed down. Now, where where that doesn't um, where that doesn't jive is is when you know you have somebody having a memory um, or several several memories of something that happened to somebody completely unrelated. Um, then obviously that's a that's a memory of a past life and they're connecting to that previous life. Uh, but in some of these cases, you're picking up things from your ancestors that could just be traveling to you through the DNA and not necessarily, 
you know, I, I did mention before that perhaps sometimes we are, um, you know, reincarnations of our of our ancestors. So if genetic memory, you know, truly does happen through our DNA, I believe to on, on certainly some levels it does. Are we then just? Is it the genetic? Uh, DNA is it the is it the DNA the genetic memory that's playing out or is it that we are a reincarnation of our ancestor? That's where the water starts getting a little muddied and you're not really going to be sure. Um, like I said, a lot more obvious if you're having these memories from somebody that's you know other side of the world and totally unrelated, whatever. Um, but the ancestors is where it kind of um, you know is a little bit harder to figure out. So, uh, so fungi, fungi, memory stored in DNA, not brain cells. Um, yeah, there are. They have uh, been able to make a case that there are um, ways in which memories um, do get imprinted uh, into your DNA. Um, certainly, things like um, mannerisms, learned behavior, stuff like that. Those things get encoded in the DNA. Now, you may not be able to. It might not necessarily be like um, a memory of you know, your. You know, the first kiss with the person you end up marrying and having children and grandchildren with. It might not be something like that. But um, you know, we talked before about uh, the familiarity of a location or a place and having that deja vu moment of you know walking into a building and being like, I've been here before. So um, there could have been a significant enough um, impression from the previous person of that location that it was able to be imprinted into their DNA that every time they walked in there, they had a certain feeling or whatever. Um, you know, it could have been their absolute favorite place to go or what have you. Um, or especially if it was a place that they lived. You know, we talked about, you know, uh, a foreign country or whatever that, you know, people get drawn to. Is that because their ancestors, um, you know, were from there and, you know, that desire for that location got imprinted into the DNA and passed on down. Um, they, they've definitely made a case for, for that. Um, yeah. So, um, I think I've, uh, Betty Lang was asking about how do you think DNA is connecting humans to past times? I kind of just, um, I think I pretty much just defined all that. Um, and define soul. Um, so soul is that thing within us that makes us us. That is basically, um, that's our spirit. That's our consciousness. That's the thing that, um, that when we are done with the physical life that goes on to the ethereal world, that, you know, the thing that carries on that into that afterlife. Um, that invisible being, and you know, there were those tests in the eight in the eighteen hundreds where they were able to kind of measure that. Nobody has repeated the test, probably because it's completely unethical. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's that it's that thing that goes off to wherever that kind of quote unquote home world is. So the thing that is makes us us. Um, all right. So let's see, what else do you guys have here? Um, Christopher Stanton, like me, wanted to go to England so bad like I've been there. And that could very well be. It could very well be that you've you've had a past life or past lives in England and 
have an absolute desire to go home. So, um, yeah, Pungai Fungi, they actually found out how much a soul weighed. That's what I'm talking about. Um, it was, I forget the guy's name, but he did it with um, a few bodies uh, in the 1800s. He measured a slight variation the moment that the person died. Um, the test has not been carried out since then, like I said, uh, probably because it's you know unethical. But um, yeah, so that case still still stands today. Is you know is that real and legit um, that the soul actually has a very very small uh, small bit of uh, mass to it? So um, Dan Brown used that in his um, Lost Symbol book, which was pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, now everybody down there wants to go to the UK. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, so I guess we'll go ahead and uh, and wrap this up. Um, we'll have more coming out on the Connected Universe. Well, really, you know, over all these different topics, you know, when it does come to, like, the hauntings, anything with, of course, the stars and, you know, you could say quantum mechanics, the dimensions, time, Really, anything that we've been talking about on this show, on the Edge of the Rabbit Hole channel, on the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel, all these different things are connected together some way, shape, or form. Um, but there's, there's bigger overarching concepts that bring all of these things together. And so we're going to be talking a lot of, about those concepts here um, coming up. But we have been, like I said, with the time travel, with the paradoxes, all that sort of stuff, the Mandela effect, um, you know, all these things are, are coming together. And so we'll have on the Hunter Road Media uh, YouTube channel, we'll have that kind of condensed, compact um, show coming up for you here uh, at the end of the week. Trying to get that out for Friday, get back on a regular schedule. And the, the topics that we'll be discussing here coming up will go more uh, down this road. You, of course, we will continue to talk about the ghosts and hauntings and all that because it's all part of it. Uh, but other other ideas and concepts and topics as well. So be on the lookout for all that. Yeah.